This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, June 30th, the Beyond Birds and Bees edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mother to Naima, who is nine and lives in Los Angeles, California. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. My daughter Noah is four, my son Ami is one, and we live in Detroit, Michigan. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, We hope you're all doing well. If you tune in on Monday, you already know this week is a little bit wonky due to summer vacations. We're going to bring you part two today of Teen Talk, where Dr. Joseph Kern answers all your questions about sex education. And then in Slate Plus, dad jokes. But before we get into that, let's do a quick round of triumphs and fails. Zach, let's start with you. So... Noah had, I've been talking so much about T-ball on this show. I'm realizing just how, how impactful it was in my life. And it's been surreal to now uh, go through it again with Noah. So she had her first game this past week on the site of the old Tiger Stadium. They built, they knocked down that stadium to build a new one, I don't know, 20 years ago. But then they built like this really nice kids baseball field there. So that's where her games are. And uh, everything was going great. She's She was into it. You know, the kids don't know what the hell they're doing. There's like 13 shortstops and 12 pitchers and six second basemen. And they're just standing around and, you know, they don't know which way to run. That's all well and good and normal. They're four. They shouldn't know all the rules yet. So it's like uh, she gets her first at bat, goes great, whatever. Uh, now it's time for her to go to the field. And I see an adult that isn't her coach. Um Maybe they were a parent. I really hadn't seen them before, but they were helping the kids just kind of get their baseball gloves on. And I heard her say to Noah about her glove, like, oh, your glove is way too big. You got to go get a different one. And Noah just like lost it. She just like came over to me bawling. She's like, the coach said my glove's too big. First of all, her glove is not too big. I think this person just didn't know how to put the glove on. Let um, the record show. Let the record show. <laughs> the glove I outfit right my size. daughter properly. Um <laughs> But this was uh, a moment where I was like, oh, no, this is her first game. And now she's so sad. She doesn't even want to go into the field. And I'm like, no, it's totally fine. Let, 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 look at you. Your glove fits, fits perfectly fine. You just need to like do the strap like this. I got her glove on. And I'm like, do you want me to come out to the field with you? So I carry her out to the field. She's still crying. Her coach sees that she's upset. She's like, oh, what happened here? Um I'm like, oh, you know, Noah's just a little upset, but I think she's ready to play. Noah, do you want to play? And then the coach is like, Noah, how about I'll stand with you out in the field? And I was like, okay. And like, she recovered. Like, you know, it took her three minutes to recover. Something that if had this happened a year ago, it would have been an hour. But I was so proud of her. She got her, she got her stuff together. And my dad was actually at the game too, as was my mom and stepdad. It was very nice. She had a big she had a lot of a lot of fans at that first game but my dad reminded me that at my first t-ball game you know 33 34 years ago i also lost it i was so sad because i was afraid that i didn't know i didn't know like what to do i didn't know where to stand and my dad had to remind me of that and uh, he actually stood out in the field with me for my entire first game so there was some very nice you know intergenerational full full circle stuff happening 
I cried at my first t-ball game. Noah cried at her first t-ball game. And then when I was thinking about that connection of the two of us crying at our first t-ball games, I then cried at her first t-ball game. <laughs> just It was just like a, you know, infinity symbol of, of tears. But um, it was great. And uh, happy to be playing ball in Detroit. I love it. Aw, good t-ball times. Well, I'm claiming another fail for this week, which is that Jeff is out of town. And every time he goes out of town, things just happen. This actually starts, we were on our trip in one of the hotels. They have these like game tables that the center is like, can be a chessboard and then like flips over and can be other games. And this was sort of, we, we had some bad weather. This is kind of where we hung out a bunch playing these games. So then we get back and we're part of like a local buy nothing group where people exchange stuff and Jeff sees one of these tables on the buy nothing group. And I said to him like, Hey, we really don't have room for this in our home. Like I, I just, he, he likes, I, I'm a big visual clutter is like a problem. He likes things to be neat. Like, Hey, we don't need anything new. And he's like, well, we'll never get it anyway. And he puts his name on it. Okay. Q, he is in the airport headed to Finland and he messages me and is like, we got the table <laughs> and I'm at the gym. And this totally tanked. I was in spinning class and I like got the message on my watch. And then I was just like, ang- I was so angry that we had like mm-hmm. gotten this table and now it's my problem to go get it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to go get it, but I'm going to look and see that it's too far away. And I look and of course it's like next to the gym. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I take the van and then I get there. And, and as I pick up the table, the like two handles <laughs> fall off and it's way bigger than I thought. And I like, can't quite get it into the, the car and I'm just so angry. And then Henry like picks it up and it fits in the car. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I bring it home. <laughs> And it's in the garage and I, in my head, just like for two days, I don't know if this happens to anyone else. I'm like thinking about where it can go and what else I'm going to have to move and all of this. And I'm just like, if I don't do it, it's going to make me crazy till he comes home. So I had a friend come over and we start moving, I think like eight pieces of furniture. Like this went into this room where we do play a lot of board games and, and would be helpful. But then that table had to go somewhere else, blah, 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 like this huge mess. And I end up with this piece of furniture that came into the house used from someone else that's been totally falling apart, but it basically needs to go. And I'm in just this terrible mood. And Henry is like, I'll take this apart for you. And he goes upstairs and he gets a, um, a screwdriver and he takes the whole furniture thing apart. And then with my friend's kids, they move it all upstairs. And so it was like in an hour, the whole situation had resolved. And I walked into the front room where the game table is and it looks lovely and the kids have been playing chess on it. And I don't think I'm going to tell Jeff how much I love it because (laughs) I feel like I was such an a-hole to him over text about this whole thing. Um, The handles still need fixed, which I haven't done. But I don't know. I just feel like I, I, it was too much for my week, but yet now it's like perfect. And we got rid of this piece of furniture that was a, a mess to start out with and all the rooms look nice. But I also just don't want to admit it to him. So that's where I am. <laughs> Does he listen Hopefully to the show? Hear yeah. This. <laughs> yeah. I figure he's gone. I'll be behind on, on episodes, right. Or traveling with me. So, <laughs> so shh, I really hate yeah, the game table. It's making me crazy. <laughs> No one say a word. No one say a word. Well, I'm taking a triumph. Um, I'm I'm claiming a triumph because 
I managed to pack Naima's lunch for school every day this year and include every day that she was with me and include a lunchbox note every day. Ah. I did it. Yay! I've all I have so much nervousness about the lunchbox notes that one day I'm gonna forget mm. one because I know it's a special part of her day. And every day I just write them. And you know, they're just little love notes. Occasionally they're silly. Sometimes I'll write them from the perspective of her sandwich, you know, reminding <laughs> her to eat me. But um, she loves them, and it's a special part of my morning when I get to sit down and write it while breakfast is cooking. And we did it. We made it to the whole year without a single forgotten lunchbox note. Mazel tov. That is, that is huge an kudos. Thank you. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into your burning teen questions. All right, we're back, and I'm going to hand the mic over to you, Elizabeth. What are you going to tackle with Joe on part two? Well, if you're listening with your kids, this is your warning. We are going further than courtesy birds and bees discussion. We have some listener questions about talking to your kids about sex and porn and everything in between. I'm going to be honest, we cover some things that still make me uncomfortable talking with my kids about, but you asked and we're going to deliver. So enjoy. All right, today we are speaking with Dr. Joseph Curran. Joe is a licensed psychologist and assistant professor who focuses on sex education and identity development. We have like now this kind of series of sex ed questions that I would yes. love to ask you about. Okay. <laughs> this this one is hysterical because she says, which of us is right in my marriage? So good luck. I have a 21 and 18 and 15 year olds and have always been very open about almost any questions they have asked about sex, porn, relationships, drugs, etc. My husband feels like this is all too much. He feels like I need to shelter them. My answer with the internet is you have no shelter from anything. How much is too much information? There isn't a wrong thing to do. Okay, I, I I agree. Like we want we want to shelter kids. Obviously, we want them to be exposed to things when you know as appropriate. Whoever defines what appropriate means, and we have to understand we don't control that anymore. Yeah, I hate to say this, but it's not being pessimistic. It's just more of a realistic view. They're going to get exposed to porn. They're going to get exposed to sexually explicit material because it's everywhere, yeah. right? And so I think what's important is is really for both approaches to be okay if dad is wanting to shelter that's okay dad i would encourage dad to really tell the kids like why he's sheltering because there's some really valid reasons in it. like i don't want to talk about these things not because there's anything wrong with them i don't think you're ready for them yet. yeah you know there's age appropriate stuff so i really think dad should explore those feelings um sometimes it's because dad is uncomfortable having those conversations and that's okay dad can say i'm uncomfortable having these conversations yeah. right like I, it just makes me uncomfortable i also think that if you can demystify what things are kids are doing stuff because they want to know and if parents don't want to tell them and answer their questions it actually pushes them to to find out themselves because like oh that's gonna be good because they don't want to talk about it where if you tell them about it they're kind of oh well all right i don't want to do that and it's really funny because i'm gonna bring up the concept of comprehensive sex education where people you know oh my gosh we're teaching five-year-olds how to have sex like no that's not what we're doing we're at five years old we teach we teach them the proper names for their body parts because what that actually demonstrates in research is they are much less likely to be sexually abused and so but the whole point of this comprehensive sex education is that the fact that people are educated and they you know age appropriate and they're learning about this they actually wait longer to engage in sex. 
because it's not a mystery. It's not something unknown anymore. And it, that's a huge thing. And so I don't think there's such thing as too much information. I think it depends on what, what in their community, in their area, what, what they feel people are being exposed to. What are they worried about? You know, it, it's kind of the whole adage of like, kids are going to see porn. Yeah. We got to make sure they know that's not real. Like, the, okay, that's that's not how sex goes. And so I think it's important to contextualize that for for kids. So when the, if when they're exposed to it, they understand like this is something like a TV show. This is something scripted. Not this isn't how sex is supposed to go. Because when we don't tell kids about sex, we don't educate them about sex. Research actually shows porn is what they go to to learn about sex, and that's frightening. I mean, that is like my driving um, force. My 10 year old just I I was like strewing books about, you know, puberty and he found one and um, got very interested in the chapter on wet dreams and Jeff wasn't home. It was like this whole thing. I <laughs> told the whole story on the podcast. Yeah. And yeah. in my head, though, as he was asking me, I thought, like, I am so uncomfortable and I really do not know a lot of these answers, but at least he's coming to me. And what I basically yes. said to him was like, I don't have a penis. I don't know about a lot of this, but I'm happy to answer any questions that I have and to look at this book with you. Mm-hmm. And when dad gets home, I'm happy to facilitate a conversation with <laughs> exactly. him about it. Because, exactly. I, you know, this is just not something I've experienced in this mm-hmm. way. Um, and I I did walk away, like, literally, text. I texted a friend was like, well, that was, you know, like, terrible. <laughs> but at least they came to me and I was thinking, even even if I had to tell him, I feel really uncomfortable at least I gave an honest answer. And so he knows mm-hmm. when he comes to me, I'm going to be honest, right? I, and I love that you encourage the dad, like, you don't have to do something that you don't feel is right, but you do need to be honest with them mm-hmm. and say, this is why I don't think it's right. Um, it, it's all about authenticity. I think a lot of times we 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 forget that piece. And, and, it, and being authentic and really sharing the why helps educate. It's like, okay, this is why, yeah. As you're kind of teaching your kids about pornography there's obviously like we as adults know not only are there unrealistic standards there's body image stuff Mm -hmm, there's consent mm -hmm. (laughs) what responsibility do parents have in in correcting all of this and informing them that this exists like i when i think about like how to have this conversation (laughs) with the kids i'm like so because you know it's like do you walk up to them and you're like okay (laughs) we're gonna talk about porn (laughs) we're gonna talk about porn today over dinner because i think you've probably been exposed to it you know um Um, i think i would definitely say i think around teen years is a really good time to start because that's when that's when kids if they haven't gotten curious are going to start getting curious at that time you know and, and again it's it could be different ages for different kids it just depends obviously on the relationship however i don't think it's a parent's responsibility to correct that that's a lot (laughs) um i think it's it's a parent's responsibility to provide an open communication channel you know and so being willing to talk about something say yeah i know this might be uncomfortable for you it's uncomfortable for me too but i want you to know this exists and if you ever have questions about stuff I hope you come and talk to me about these things. You know, again, it's about having a trusted individual that will do, you know, due diligence and make sure that like they're, they're, they're being honest, not, you know, taking advantage of someone or, you know, shutting things down. Like it's, it's a difficult conversation to have. And if a parent is like, I can't do this, you know, there are professionals that can, they can reach out to, they can also, you know, 
do this. And so I think that's something to think about as well. There's lots of different types of counselors and therapists that would definitely be willing to engage in a conversation with someone just about this stuff. Framing it in in the mentality of not that what you're doing is bad um, or what you're watching is bad, but that like my goal is for you to have a healthy sexual Mm -hmm. relationships. And that's not going to happen if you think this is <laughs> that this right, is right. what it looks like. The World uh, Health Organization, I don't remember the definition word for word, but it actually includes uh, a, a healthy sexual relationship. Is It's enjoying, the person's enjoying it, it's fun, it's fulfilling. And and we don't think about that, right? Like, it, but everybody wants to have a fun, fulfilling, yes. you know, like awesome sexual relationship, but we don't think about that when we educate. And so it, it is like, it, it's definitely that. Like, we don't want to shame, we don't want people to feel bad about it we want to be able to be that open conduit where like someone can has a question they know they can come to you for the answer yeah so reproductive rights obviously go hand in hand Mm -hmm. with talking about sexual activity um and with the responsibility of having sex i think this is in a lot of parents minds but do you have any advice on how to talk to cisgender heterosexual teen boys (laughs) about roe and and their role in abortion Mm -hmm. rights I think the biggest thing with this is to understand the complexity of this. Our country has done a disservice because we pretended like men didn't benefit from this at all. Right. And that's problematic. Okay. Men have benefited just as much as women have. And we don't talk about that. I actually have a graduate student that I'm supervising and her master's thesis is actually starting to explore like the benefits of abortion for the male partner. That's fascinating. And and I mean, it's, it's like, whoa, we need to do this because there's nothing out there. And it's a really important piece. But the other thing I think is important is men don't understand the body changes. I mean, they just don't, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Because nobody's taught them about it. And so I think it's such an informative thing to sit down and say, okay, well, let me talk to you about what happened to my body and how my body has permanently changed. And it's not a, I'm making you feel bad, but you know, like you did this to me, but it's like, you have to understand, like, these are huge changes that someone's going to go through. And we're forcing that on someone now. They're not even like thinking about incest, rape. I'm just like, I can't even understand that. Um, so there's that piece I think is, is helping to educate like, this is actually what happens to a woman's body. To really kind of help them understand like, this isn't just like, hey, you can have a baby and give it up for adoption kind of thing. Yeah. And then we'll go back to kind of the sex education piece. Like I've talked with people who literally don't understand the biology of how conception works and also how sexually transmitted infections work. I'm talking about people with college degrees. Yeah. If we can teach people what this is and we can prevent this. Yeah. Okay. So, Hey, if you wear a condom, (laughs) right, right. Your chances are greatly greatly reduced of ever having to have this conversation. That's why it's important to wear a condom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. It's latex. Get over it. Right. (laughs) Like I think for sex education, I really, I think it's poorly named. I think we should call it sexual health education. That's really what we're talking about. We're you talking not educating about, people on how to have sex. Most people right, figure that out. Yeah. Right. It's like, we're not, I mean, they might towards the very end, yeah. like 18 year old, 19 year old, whatever, but we're really not teaching that we're teaching about sexual health. Yeah. And, you know, I wish parents would understand that more, that this is not going against 
you know, backgrounds and religion and stuff. It's really trying to just help people understand their bodies. And like the introduction of consent at an early age is such a huge deal because there are people who don't know what consent is. They don't know if they have consent as adults. And that obviously is a huge issue. And it's because we don't teach it. You know, like I, we care more about, can you operate this vehicle than we do about, do you know if you have consent from someone? I know there's a lot of like, but American schools don't do this. It's like, you can also do it at home. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and answering all our questions. I, I am so thankful people write in, you know, I always think like, thank you for asking because it, it, sometimes that's the hardest thing is asking, what do I do? So thank you so much. And, and maybe you'll agree to come back and answer some more questions. Yeah. If you get more (laughs) questions later on, I'm, I'm always open to, this was actually a lot of fun. So I enjoyed it. Thanks Joe. You're welcome. All right, that's it for our show. There is no show on Monday. We hope you have a safe July 4th and we'll be back in your feeds on Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss it. And remember, if you rely on this show for parenting advice, you should sign up for Slate Plus. It's the best way to support us. Members will never hear another ad on this or any other Slate podcast. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Jasmine Ellis and Rosemary Belson. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, let's keep going. We thought we would lighten things up today by playing a little round of dad jokes. We're going to take turns telling terrible jokes to each other while seeing who can keep a straight face. Zach, as our resident dad, do you want to go first? Absolutely. Why should you never give Elsa a balloon? I'm already out. Okay. I don't know. Why should you never give Elsa a You know why, Elizabeth. Do you know why, Jamila? I do know why. Well, it's because she'll let it go. <laughs> You're so weak, Elizabeth. I'm so weak. All right. Who's next? Am, am I going next? Go for it. After an unsuccessful harvest, why did the farmer decide to try a career in music? Why? Because he had a ton of sick beats. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Jamila is so disgusted with us. I'm appalled. All right. I don't have a great one. Naima actually told me this one this morning, and I had to act like I didn't know the punchline. What is a dentist's favorite time of day? It's 2.30. 2.30. It's very good. Thank you. And I need to give credit to Daniel down the street, the uh, seven-year-old who tells me jokes every time I see him for mine. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is the difference between a dad joke and a joke? You know, they're punny. They're punny. Yes, yeah. They're punny. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're corny. Like you, they're corny. You should have seen it coming. And there's something about that that I really in, enjoy. <laughs> At least there are dad jokes. There's no such thing as a mom joke because we're not thought of as funny or fun. No. Mom jokes are real jokes. Yeah. (laughs) They're intelligent, sophisticated, thoughtful jokes. Oh my God. I just Googled dad joke and I'm looking at the Wikipedia. I have to tell you this one because it's so awful. Whose concert costs only 45 cents? I don't know. Who? 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. No. That's so good. No, it's not. <laughs> I was no. trying to figure out how Foodie Cent was involved. 
Yeah. I did think of 50 Cent. But I was thinking, was but how do we get... <laughs> yeah, like, back. what's the... That needs to be a tour. They need to tour together. No. They don't. (laughs) They don't. I only seem to get sick on weekdays. I must have a weekend immune system. Like a vault. Oh, gosh. I think we need to stop now before people cancel their slave subscriptions. You're welcome, Slave Boss. We'll never do this again. (laughs) Thank you for paying for this. You paid for this. You you deserve a nickel back. (laughs) Sorry. Well, Slate Plus listeners, we're sorry for that, truly. Be sure to join us Thursday for another bonus segment. I promise the jokes will be funnier. (laughs) Bye.